0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. But I want to get started this morning in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, this is right toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you want a title this morning, it would be this. Embrace Your Perfect Peace. Say that with me. Embrace your perfect peace. Now do this with me. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Do it again. Let it out. We could like almost go home now. You know, deep breaths are really good for you. It's it's really good for you. Now let's say it again. Let's take about one second in between each word. Ready? Embrace your perfect peace. I want us to get this this morning. I want us to embrace this perfect peace that Jesus introduces us to. And the reason that I titled it this way is because I want you to own your peace today. In fact, I want you to own your perfect peace. And so when we look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, this is right toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. He says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Now, this is a really powerful statement to me. Because I know a lot of us, we struggle. We're like, what do you mean not worry about tomorrow? I have so many things on my list, my agenda. Uh, You know, you don't know the report that I've gotten. But Jesus says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And look at this. He says, each day has enough trouble of its own. How many could agree with that? Some days you're just like, I want to go to sleep right now and then wake up again in the morning. Can I get one amen this morning? I've been there before. How about you? Now, this past Friday uh, night, Kristen and I, we had this awesome opportunity to go to the annual Chamber of Commerce dinner where I had the honor to do, I think for the fourth or fifth year in a row, the invocation, uh, which is basically just a small talk and a prayer. And it's just great to be there in front of a couple hundred business owners who are celebrating really, you know, what they've accomplished But then to say, you know, through all of that, let's never forget to give back. And that's one thing that I've seen uh, being on the board at the Chamber of Commerce is that um, businesses really look for ways to give back. Uh, They they look for ways to, to share, because there's a lot of success here in Fenton, and they look for ways to share and help those who are less privileged, those who need help, and so that's a beautiful thing, and that's why I love being part of it. But they had a guest speaker as the entertainment that night, we've never really done this before, and it was interesting, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had this saying, and I think he may even have written a book, it's this, say yes, comma, and, say yes, and. In other words, what he was saying was, in life, and this guy, he's a motivational speaker for Fortune 500 companies, I mean, he speaks all over the world and does this, but he's saying, the yes is you accepting what's happening right here and right now, right? What's happening today in your life, it's saying yes to it, but then you continue with an and. See, the story doesn't stop today. Your story isn't over today, but it's the end. How do we respond to what's going on in our lives? And so we played these games. We actually played a couple different games. One was the one, two, three game. Is Karina here this morning? The one, two, three game. And then we played another game, the story game. Have you ever played this game where maybe there's a group of people, and so you have to tell a story together, but you each get one word? Right? So, like, I would say, the, Teresa, Mike. Not your name. No, it's a game. Let's play a game. You guys want to play? Where well, I know we're at church, but let's play a game. So I'm going to say a word. You continue the sentence. We're telling the story here. Let's try it again. I like. I might like. Uh huh. Great. Not many authors in here this morning. Kind of hard though, isn't it? Like I got to come up with word. I got to now. The one, two, three game is even better. I want someone to help me out here. Who wants to do this with me? Anyone? Come on, Jerry. Let's do this. Come here. We're do this together, right? We're friends. This is my sis. Give me a hug. Okay. So here's the game. I'm gonna say one. You're gonna say two. I'm gonna say three. Then we start over. One, two, three. One, two, three. Ready? Uh So we'll do a practice run. Ready? One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. three, One, two, three. three. See? Pretty good. (laughs) Let's try it again. You're pretty good, though. Some people can get past two, right? Let's try it again. Ready? One, two, three. 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 You're good. She's good. Let's give it (laughs) up for her. Now he had everyone participate in this game and do it themselves. But here's the interesting thing. Let me ask you this, Jerry: When we were doing that game, what were you thinking about? Anything else? Were you thinking about what Noah did last night? Were you thinking about what Devin did this morning? Were you thinking about? Were, yeah, right. Were you thinking about work this week? No. Why? Because you were focused. And so what it shows us is that we can focus in life on things, including, let me say this, that perfect peace that God has given us. See, sometimes we have to almost do the one, two, three. We come to the Father, we say, peace, perfect peace, perfect peace, perfect. We have to focus on the perfect peace he's given us. Because so many times what we're doing, we do two different things. We either look back to the past, how we messed up, where we screwed up, where we didn't do things right, or we look to the future like, what does the future hold? Which, when you think about it, that brings us sometimes into worry. And worrying is simply just guessing what may or may not happen, but it hasn't even happened yet. And so I believe that Jesus is saying, listen, let's come back to this present-day life because we get caught up in what has happened or what may happen, and we forget about the now. Worry could be defined as dwelling on what may happen. Now, I believe that this applies to embracing peace in our lives, especially during this season. I mean, you know what's really wild to me is we haven't even celebrated Thanksgiving yet, which is one of my favorites because there's lots of food involved, right? Anyone else here? I love Thanksgiving, but people are already putting out Christmas stuff. How many are for that? Two of you, you can go home right now. You're outnumbered. No my my daughter and my daughter-in-law they already put up Christmas trees I'm like this is wrong This is is she in here Oh she's listening But you know the kids love it and they want to celebrate but I just I can't even believe that Christmas is upon us and you know you ever had that like Christmas is in eight weeks Christmas is in six weeks and you start to worry and fret some of us right because you're thinking about all the things you need to do and get ready for and we got to get more lights to put up and we have to get presents for the kids and we got to make sure we get letters to Santa because God knows if we don't they won't get any gifts wink, wink, right? And so we we deal with these things and this pressure. So in this season, I think, and even just in day-to-day life, it's like we have to find that peace. We have to find that rest that Jesus says he provides for our soul. And so it can be really tough in these situations. And so, you know, whether it's the money that we have to spend or the money we don't have to spend or the bill that just came in or I've got a, you know, the family's coming over to visit and I don't like a whole lot of my family. Come on, we've all been there. And so we deal with these things. But really, in this whole scenario, what is the answer? Well, the short answer is Jesus. Now, I know it sounds really cliche, but but that's really the short answer. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. He came to bring peace. In fact, He wanted to bring us perfect peace. But here's the key we can't utilize what we don't know we have, even if we have it. Does that make sense? You can't benefit from or utilize what we don't know we have, if we, even if we do have it. So you have to realize, you have to be aware that we have this. Now, in Isaiah, the prophet says this about Jesus as he was prophesying what was to come. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Now listen to this. The government, say the government, will rest on his shoulders. Now stop for a sec. He's not speaking of the government or the kingdom of Israel. He's not speaking of, even later in prophecy, the, you know, the, the empire of Rome. He's not even speaking about the United States government. He's speaking about his government, which is the kingdom of God. Now, we discuss that a lot around here, right? The kingdom, it should be an outflow of who we are. So look at we could say the kingdom of God will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called, now I want you to pay attention to these names, Wonderful Counselor. How many in here would say, I need a counselor sometimes? If you say no, then you probably need it more than anyone else. We all need counseling in life. We all need, and when you come to that point where you realize, I need a counselor, I need someone that I can depend on. You know, for years I I grew up in, you know, the faith where it was like, you got to have more faith and it's all about your faith. And if if maybe something, you know, was going wrong, it's like, well, brother, you just need more faith. And it was all about just somehow making my faith happen or conjuring up. Do you know that even faith is a gift given to you? Your ability to even believe and trust God is a gift that's given to you by God. You had nothing to do with it. Your salvation has nothing to do with you. It's already done. It's the finished work. All we need to do is believe, and then we can receive. But you praying a magic prayer doesn't make it suddenly happen. It's already happened. 2,000 years ago. Done deal. So what do we do? We believe and receive. So wonderful counsel. Look at this. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. I love this because it's showing the union between the Father and Son. But look at this last statement, this last name. Prince of Peace. So Jesus was the Prince of Peace. Now, I love, I love Hebrew and I love um, you know Greek and different languages. This word prince in the Hebrew means this. Chief, captain, or ruler. Chief, captain, or ruler. The word prince actually comes from two different words. It's the word Prime. And the word prime means of first importance or first rate. The second word is capable, which of course means having the ability or capacity for or predisposed to. So think about this. Jesus is the prime. He's capable of what? Peace. This word peace in the Hebrew means soundness and complete. It talks about completion. It goes on in the definition, safety, health, tranquility, contentment. And I love this portion. It's something that we have with God, especially in covenant relationship. Now think about this. Isaiah was a Jew. And so when he was saying this piece, he was thinking about this covenant that the Jews had with God. But you know what's beautiful? There's a new covenant since Jesus came along. And it's a covenant that everyone is welcome into. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter your financial status. It doesn't even matter if you're the worst of all sinners. Everyone's welcome. That's the new covenant. Open arms, done deal. Jesus already did it. In fact, you know that the Father already sees you as sons and daughters? That's why the Apostle Paul, I say this a lot, but he has this orphan language. He talks about us walking about as orphans. Orphans don't know who their family is. The good news is God is your father. We talked about this, I think, last week. It's the word uh, pater in the Greek, and it means source. It means origin. It means the one who has infused this very spirit into you. That's who you are. It's a beautiful thing. So a lot of us, we think we're, you know, distant and dirty uh, from this God who's far, far away. But Jesus came to say, nope, you're close and you're clean and your sons and your daughters. And you say, Jesus, how can that be? Because just last night, I blank fill it in, right? What God's doing is saying, no, no, no. I don't see the sin in you. I see the sun in you. Now, ladies, that applies to you as well, you know. I mean, it was a patriarchal society, so when they would say man or son, it applies to all of us. But what's interesting here is God never sees the sin in you. He sees the son in you. And when you awaken to the sonship, when you awaken to who you are, guess what happens? Your actions begin to change. When you know your source, your origin, the one who has infused this very spirit into you, it changes how you think. And then when you change how you think, what happens? It changes your actions, right? So when Jesus came, he says, repent. Now, some preachers put an A on the end. Repenta, right? Get him down to the altar. Let's get him to grovel and hopefully God, will... no, the word repent, metanoia in the Greek, it simply means to change your mind. Romans 12, two, apostle Paul tells us that we are transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. Come on, Bible scholars, we, we know what that's about. So it's this whole mind thing. I've said it before, but Paul said that, you know, we were enemies of God, but then he continues, he said, in our minds, which means we were never enemies of God, we just thought we were. There was definitely estrangement going on, right? Estrangement is is the proper word. I don't believe separation is. God never went anywhere. Even in the creation poem, if you look through uh, this story, You see mankind represented by Adam, which Adam actually means human. It wasn't a proper name. And so you have Adam, and then you have Eve. And what happens? They believe a lie. They believe that they're less than who they really are. And they think, I have to do things under my own self-effort, my own power to be like God. When that wasn't the truth, it was a lie. But what happens when they fall? Did God run away? No, he came to them. He'll never leave us. How many of you would leave your children? My kids have done some jacked up stuff. Yours too? The ones laughing the loudest are like, yeah. But you would never leave them. Why, Why do we come up with this crazy idea, which isn't scriptural, that God just leaves us? Because you sinned. I love what Jamie Engelhart pointed out to me one time. He said, you know, people say that God can't stand sin, he can't look up on it, he, you know, they even, unfortunately, man, I could go so many different ways with this, and I'm not, because we have limited time, but even on the cross, you know, we turned that thing into, you know, God turned his face, right, but there's no scripture that says that, in fact, Paul tells us that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, which means God never went anywhere. When Jesus is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how he felt, but it wasn't the truth. God was there the whole time. If he wasn't, we have a problem. Do you follow me? And so there's so many ways to go on that, but think about this. God came to Adam and Eve. In fact, he made, God made the very first sacrifice, not man, he made a sacrifice. He killed an animal to clothe them. Why? To cover That condemnation and that guilt and that shame that they felt. Not to make him okay with them, but for them to realize, wow, God's okay with me. We see the example even in the story of the prodigal son. What is is the, the father of the prodigal? What does he do when the son comes other than run to him, kiss him all over, What does he do? He kills the fatted calf. It's a sacrifice that he made so the son would feel okay with the father. Why? His family status never changed. And so that's the good news. But see, here's the thing. Many of us don't know who we are. We're told to awaken to our righteousness. Big word, religious righteousness. It means right relationship. Awaken to your right relationship. I know I'm belaboring this a little bit, but I want us to understand the heart of our Father in this. But look at this, peace, it means soundness and complete. So we could say this, based on Prince of Peace, that Jesus has the first-rate ability and capacity for soundness and completeness. Isn't that awesome? And by the way, this is a Jesus who you're in union with. We could say, really, The proper word, a Christ who you're in union with, right? Jesus was a man. He held the anointing, which Christ means anointed. And guess what? We are too. But sometimes we just don't see it. We look in the mirror. We see our imperfections. uh, We see the bad decisions we made. Uh, we see the bad things that we've done. Uh, we see how we've mistreated people or ourselves. And we think, okay, I'm a sum total. Who I am is a sum total of everything that I've done. And usually we say everything I've done wrong. But God looks at you differently and says, no, you are who I say you are. And the quicker you awaken to that, awaken to your righteousness, awaken to your goodness, guess what? It'll start out flowing. Does that make sense? So peace comes from Jesus, and again, more specifically, we could say Christ. And what do the scriptures tell us? That we are in Christ. Say, in Christ. Or it says, in him. In fact, the apostle Paul states this about 164 times in his letter alone, about the unity, about the oneness, about the inness if that's even a word. But it's true, that's who we are. And When we awaken to that, it changes everything. So if you are in him and Christ is in you and you are in union with God, that means that we have the first rate, I'm sorry, the first rate, ability and capacity for soundness and completeness. We have that too. But see, we can't utilize what we don't know we have, even if we have it. Now, I love how Eugene Peterson says it here in the message translation. Let's start in chapter six, verse 30. He says, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of it which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Now stop there for a second. I just love this translation. Some of us just need to relax. You ever just like, I don't know, for me, I'll just be driving along and I'll, be, I'll realize I'm like, like, grinding my teeth and gritting my teeth or I'm just tense and it's like what's going on and it's like there's not really anything going on at the moment but sometimes we just need to learn to relax and you know it's not always easy the scriptures tell us what that we labor to find our rest so I'm not saying it's easy but it's something that we have to do but he says what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to the god to god's what giving People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality. I love that. God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Now look at this verse 34. He says, give your entire attention to, look at this, what God is doing right now. Think about that. What is God doing in your life right now? Some of us, our answer is probably, I don't know. I know what's going on around me. He says, get your entire attention to what God is doing right now. I just love the way he says this. What God is doing right now. Sometimes we are so preoccupied with what has happened in our past or what may happen in the future that we can't even see what God is doing right here and right now. Now, I'm not trying to You know, make less of your circumstances or issues. We all go through stuff. I call it stuff, you know, in church. We all go through these things. And he says this, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong here this morning. That doesn't mean that we can't plan ahead that we can't, you know, make investments for our future, that we can't put stuff on a calendar. How many have a Google calendar or an Apple calendar? Come on, it's okay. I have a reminder app. Siri reminds me all the time. If there's something that I have to remember, I'll go, hey, Siri. So what I say? Uh, Remind me to put the garbage out to the street, right? That's actually Ethan's job, but I'm just trying to come up with an example. But I mean, every little thing, remember to mail that letter. Remember to call that person. Remember uh, the the wedding rehearsal is, see, I use a calendar and I have that remind me, but the reminders app is amazing. It's like I have a personal secretary. Why? So I can be reminded of what I need to do. So planning ahead, there's nothing wrong with that. But see, it's all about our attitude in living. How do we live? Are we embracing our perfect peace in day-to-day life? That's what Jesus tells us to do. Is this making sense? And so for some of us, we have to find that peace. It's so important that we do. There's just three main points I want to go through just to kind of reinforce what we talked about this morning. Number one is this. Receiving Jesus is receiving perfect peace. Receiving Jesus is receiving perfect peace. We can say it like this. Awakening to Christ in you opens you up to embrace or receive your perfect peace. Why? Because Jesus is perfect peace. Think about it. We don't have to strive for peace. We already have peace residing within us. Now, I know some are like, I do? (laughs) You do. Awaken to it. Let it flow through you. I love the, the way that, that Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. He says, I am the vine. Some translations say the true vine. He says, you are the branches. And we've talked about it several times, but I love the analogy because if you look at a grapevine, that's what he's referring to, a grapevine, it's really hard to tell where the, the vine and the branch kind of connect and split off. It's hard to see why. That's the type of union we have. But he's saying, listen, the reason that you bear fruit By the way, it's called the fruit of the spirit, not the fruit of you. So let the spirit do his work in you. Sometimes we're really trying and trying hard. I call it frankenfruit. Like this is my version of love, joy, peace, patience. No, no. Let the fruit just come through you. How? Just resting in the vine. That doesn't mean we don't do anything. But sometimes here we have to find that peace and that rest and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you work this out. You're the one that causes us to grow. It's already in there. The peace is already in there. Why? Because I am in Christ. Remember, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that's who he is. And receiving him is receiving peace. So you might ask, well, why don't I feel peace right now? I think many times we just don't realize we have it. And look at what what Jesus says here in John chapter 14, verse 27. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. How many love gifts? Now, how many know gifts are free? That's why I was having this conversation. Some of you heard this story with my youngest son, Aiden, and he's in the back and he's talking about his letter to Santa and what he's going to do and you know all these things. And I just kind of said, "Man," I said, "You know what?" I said, "What?" Well, I said, "I kind of don't like Santa sometimes." Of course, he was like, "I saw him in the back." And he was like, "What? What do you don't know, like Santa?" I was like, "Well, think about it. He calls what he gives you gifts." But then he looks at a list. In fact, he looks at it twice to find out if you're naughty or nice. And then if you're, not, if you're nice, you'll get a gift. If you're naughty, you won't. In fact, he goes, oh, my gosh. He goes, yeah, if you're naughty, he just gives you coal in your stocking. I'm like, that's ridiculous. I said, that's not a gift. That's a reward for the good things you've done. And he goes, you know what, Dad? He says, I'm writing a letter, and I'm leaving it out for Santa. I'm not to tell him, you know what, Santa? You can no longer call your gifts gifts. They are rewards because it's not based on freely giving. I'm like, he's getting it. (laughs) But see, then I used that opportunity. I said, but you know what? I said, your heavenly father, your source, the one you come from, he gives gifts and they're completely free of charge. Even if I've been naughty, even if you've been naughty. Now listen, being naughty, as adults we'd say sinning. Sinning is never good. I mean, how many, how many have ever sinned and thought, man, this is just amazing. Of course, while you're doing it. But how many know it has consequences? Mess around on your wife, you might get a divorce. Steal on the job, you might lose your job. Right? I'm just saying, I mean, there's consequences built in. It says the wages of sin, not God, is death. So they're just built in. But the Father never withholds things from you. That's what I was getting to earlier. People say, well, God couldn't even look up on sin, and, and you know, he, he can't be around sin, and, and you're disgusting to him. First of all, none of my kids are disgusting. No. Sometimes when they my son gets home from football, he smells disgusting, but he isn't disgusting, right? You know, there's only one verse. I believe it's in Hosea. In Hosea, the prophet's going through all these different things about the wicked and the evil, and he says, your eyes are so holy you cannot even look upon sin. But then the verse continues and it says, so why do you? Hmm. So even the one verse that people use to say you're disgusting and God can't look upon you, it continues with, so why do you? <laughs> Listen, now, I... We can talk afterward, we, we can discuss theology, all those things, but man, the, the deeper I get into this thing, the more I realize that God's love never changes because true love, unconditional love, comes without conditions. There's no strings attached. Now, his love, if we allow it to, it will change our hearts. That's what love does, right? He, God's called light, love. He's called a consuming fire. I believe his light will expose things in our soul that we need healing in, not to bring us shame, but to bring us restoration. That's what God, he's in the restoration business. Come on. But then he's also love and he's a consuming fire. How many know this? That love isn't always ooey gooey. I love my children so much that there's times I might say, guess what? I'm taking some privileges away right now so we can refocus on what's going on in life. Why? Because I love them. And the way they're going is not good for them. So there's times where God will say, hey, I see something in your life. And you go, ooh, wow, you really love me, don't you? Yeah, it doesn't feel very good. I know, but we'll get through this together. Just stick with me, son. Stick with me, daughter. Why are you doing this? Because my discipline is not punishment for your past. It's training you for your future. Because I see who you truly are at your heart of hearts. I see the identity that I have given to you, and you haven't really awakened to it completely yet, because all of us are awakening to certain facets of our life. Amen? But as we do, that's where the change begins. It says that the kindness of the Lord draws us to repentance. Mind change. Not the meanness, not the anger. Some people are preaching this angry God. It's like, is that Zeus or Yahweh? Because I'm confused right now. But God's going to get his. He is? He told us to love our enemies and pray for those who despitefully use us. So he doesn't practice what he preaches. Come on. Enough on that, I guess. There's some things to think about, right? He says, I am leaving you with a gift. What's the gift? Look at this. Peace of mind and heart. Say, I receive that gift. He says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. He's talking about a system, Right? Think about the world system. Think about empire. Even where he was at that time, Jesus grew up under Roman occupation. Empires are built on greed. They're built on lust. They're built on war. They're built on murder. They're built on payback and retribution. But the kingdom of God is different. It's built on right relationship, peace, joy, unity, forgiveness. It's not the easiest thing to live. Thank God we have Christ in us, the hope of glory, amen? He says, so don't be troubled or afraid. Now, notice it's a gift. Uh, We've said this so many times, but a gift isn't earned. And God gives good gifts. Again, receiving Jesus is receiving perfect peace. Number two, a troubled soul stops peace from flowing outward. Uh, How many know this, that, that fruit is meant to be given? Think about that. If fruit just sits on a tree, what happens? It drops. It goes rotten. People don't enjoy it. This is wild. Like A lot of times I used to think, okay, the fruit of the Spirit is me impressing God with all the good things I can do. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That last one's pretty hard. I need to get these things and prove to God that I'm okay. But God's saying, no, no, no. I'm going to grow those things through you. Why? So people around you can benefit from your fruit. Fruit's meant to be Enjoyed. So this isn't just about us. It's like we're this open vessel for God to work through to bring that goodness and that mercy and that grace and that love and that peace through us. Why? So it permeates those around us. People who don't even know what's going on, they're like, man, when I go around you, there's just there's like this peace, and I know what you're going through. That's what it's for. Fruit is meant to be given. But Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he says, never worry about anything, but in every situation, do what? Let God know what you need in prayers and requests. Prayer, prayer, by the way, is just speaking to God. It's a relationship. While giving thanks. It's living a life of thankfulness. But look at this. Then God's peace. Say that with me. Then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions through Christ Jesus. Now, the very first sentence here, I remember reading this and I think, wait, wait, never worry. Never worry, Paul. Like, seriously, how can that even be done? But here's the thing Jesus even tells us, I think it's in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? How many know that worry doesn't get us anywhere? Maybe the hospital maybe the doctor's office. I'm just being honest and truthful, right? I mean, have you had those times where you're like, I remember I was going through a situation years ago and I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I was having a heart attack and stuff was just, you know, and I went into the doctor and I'm like, man, I I don't know what's going on, you know? And he says, well, just, just tell me what's going on in your life. I was like, well, it's not a whole lot. He goes, just tell me. So I started listing things off. About the 10th or 11th thing, I went, there's a lot on my plate. He goes, yeah. He goes, it's called anxiety. I'm like, no, no not me. He's like, no, it's anxiety. And the other thing is called panic attacks. I'm like, no, because we don't want to have to admit that we have issues and we have problems because we're faith people. And if you have just enough faith, it'd be okay. Uh, this is real life and trust and faith is great, right? But it's in who? It's in him. And he's the one that gives it as a gift. I think when he says, never worry, he, he's saying, listen, you have the opportunity to, but get back to the center place. Get back to the center point. It's the peace you have in him. Look at the phrase, then God's peace. Then God's peace. What? After you cast your care on him. Then God's peace. And I see this in the verse. It's speaking of the peace that already resides in you. You're opening yourself out to up to let out the Prince of Peace. To let the fruit of the Spirit grow in you. Because the peace of God inside us will also translate into the peace of God outside of us toward outward circumstances and also toward others. I'm telling you, man, I've been in this game for a while, this game of life. And, you know, I used to go to church and I, my parents were pastors and, you know, I would go to church because it's the thing we're supposed to do. You know, I moved out at 19 and then I didn't go to church because guess what? It just showed where my heart was. I didn't want to go anyway. You know, I've come full circle to this thing where, like, sometimes I'm like, I'm a pastor? How, How is this? Like, I don't care about titles. I don't care about this stuff, but I care about sharing my journey with you, showing you how good God really is, that His love will completely transform your life. It's worth it for me. I want you to see who you truly are. So here's the question where or what? is our focus. Where or what is our focus from day to day? Because a troubled soul stops peace from flowing outward. Number three, and the final one, we'll wrap this up. Keeping our focus on God causes peace to flow outward. Keeping our focus on God causes peace to flow outward. Going back to the prophet Isaiah, he says this in uh, chapter 26, verse 3. He says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Now, what he's, what he's saying is, listen, God, you keep people in that perfect peace because they have faith and trust in you. Their focus is on you, not the problem, not the issue. Now, sometimes I understand we can't just go, oh, nothing is really happening, right? It's not like it doesn't exist if I just wish it away, but it's having peace. How many have ever made decisions when you're anxious and worried and later you found out wrong decision? I have many times. But when you can find that rest and that peace, you'll make better decisions. You can actually hear that still, small voice of the Spirit. We talked about that. The Holy Spirit, he He doesn't yell at us. He speaks to us in a still, small voice. We have to listen. We have to find that place, get away sometimes, and say, there's a lot going on. I need your help. But look at this. He says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. But look at this. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. I love the Hebrew language. This perfect peace here, it's actually the same word. Perfect is shalom. Peace is shalom. He's like, uh, he will keep you in shalom, shalom. Like double portion. Say, I receive it, I receive it. Come on, go back to your charismatic days. I receive it. Double portion, right? Shalom, shalom. It means completeness, soundness, safety, health, tranquility, contentment. But this word, it says, whose thoughts or minds are fixed on you. Literally, it means in the Hebrew, fastened or attached. So you're thinking the way God thinks. So you spend so much time with him that your desire for him becomes greater and the desires he has for you become the desires of your heart. And here's what I found. It's never a bad thing. You know, for years I thought, well, you know, okay, what's the thing I would least like to do in life? Um, Be a missionary to China. That's it, brother. That's what God wants you to do. Why? Because you hate it. You just got to prove yourself. That's just, seriously? That's ridiculous. How about this? What passion do you have in your heart? What, plural, what passions do you have in your heart? Maybe those passions are there because God has put those passions there. But, but it's, you know, it's, it's not being a, a pastor or a missionary. Not everyone's called to be a pastor or a missionary. But I really love music and I don't play music. I really love art. I play art. Play art? I guess. That's what I do. I just play art. But do art. Well, I I just really, really love numbers. Great, because I don't. Yeah, and I need an accountant. So maybe go do that. That's your gift. Right? We all have different gifts. What is your passion? What is it whenever you do that thing, it's like this just fire and excitement for it. See, I'm trying to get that through to my kids. It's not just about the amount of money. I mean, we only need so much money to live. Let's think about it. Like, you know, of course we build ourselves up to this point where we need more and more and we get more and so we get more and then we get more and so we get more, but we don't have to. I mean, if you start in your twenties and you make small investments for 12 years, you know, 18, 19, 20, I mean, you could be set with retirement in, in a Roth IRA and just make a reasonable amount of money and live by a budget and enjoy life. Because you know what, I have a lot of friends who are millionaires and some of them are just not really happy with life. They don't even like what they do. I'm like, wow, can we trade places for one week, right? But it just shows you that having all the money isn't the most important thing. What are you doing in your life? Something that brings you passion and fulfillment. I believe that's what God calls us to. Now listen, I'm not trying to downplay what's happened in your past your mess-ups, your issues, you know, what people have done to you? Or I'm not trying to downplay planning ahead and being smart about your future, but here's the thing, are you embracing your perfect peace? Because we all have the first-rate ability and capacity for soundness and completeness. And we know that this is an issue. I was looking at some studies. Do you know that chronic stress is linked to the six leading causes of death? Heart disease, cancer, lung ailments, accidents, psoriasis of the liver, and suicide. Six biggest killers, and they're all linked to anxiety and chronic stress. You know that more than 75% of all doctor visits are for stress-related ailments and complaints. I think there's an issue here. I think there's a reason why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. Just be in relationship with me right now. Whatever's coming your way, stop looking to the past, the things you've done, the things you haven't done. Stop trying to look so far ahead in the future with worry, wondering if everything's going to be okay and line up. Of course, you can plan, right? That's okay. But sometimes we get so caught up in the past and the future, we don't even enjoy the present. And it's not, we're not the only ones missing out. Our family, our friends, those we know, they miss out because they're like, would you be here? Would you just be present for a moment here? Come on, men. We've all heard that from the wise, right? But I love this in the Amplified. It says, you will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you, leans on you, and hopes confidently in you. Who's our source? Our Father. Keeping your eyes on our union with Christ and the love that the Father has for you, guess what? It brings you peace. Let's say it like this. It brings you perfect peace. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.